Hi, I'm Lonnie Diane Rich, and I am the coolest mom ever. It's the hair. We are here today to talk about Lessons, the first episode of Season 7. It aired on September 24, 2002, and was written by Joss Whedon, with Rebecca Rand Kirshner as Executive Story Editor, and Drew Z. Greenberg as Story Editor. This episode was directed by David Solomon, who we last saw at bat in Season 6's Villains. As we rounded the corner on Season 6 here at Still Pretty, I discovered that among the Still Pretty Faithful, which I think is a statistically viable sample for the fandom at large, there are pretty much two reactions to Season 7. Love it or hate it. Maybe that's because the passionate are the most likely to speak out, but I haven't heard a lot of meh about Season 7, and that's not a bad thing. Season 7 tends to get people really excited or really mad, and I think where you land on that spectrum depends a lot on what you go to Buffy for. I will tell you right now, I am an enthusiastic supporter of Season 7. It is my second favorite season, after Season 5, before Season 3, although I have to say... It's kind of a tight squeeze there at the top. What I love about Season 7 is this. We're evolving the story world and the characters. We're bringing the whole story full circle so that we see that there aren't just episodic stories and multi-episode arcs and full season stories, but there's an entire series story that starts when Buffy first comes to Sunnydale and ends with Chosen, the final episode in Season 7. Buffy is like a Russian nesting doll of story, and each doll sits inside an even more beautifully crafted larger doll. It folds up like an accordion and spreads out like a sandy beach. It's magical from a narrative point of view, and whenever I engage with it, I find myself entranced. There are a lot of reasons to love Buffy. It's smart, it's funny, it's emotionally challenging, and sometimes exhausting. It's insightful and engaging, and it treats the audience like they're, you know not idiots. If you're here watching Still Pretty, then you love Buffy, and your reasons for loving Buffy may be different from mine, but it is my goal during these last episodes of the most amazing television series ever to exist to give all of the Season 7 haters some solid reasons, if not to love Season 7, then at least to enjoy it a little more. Whether I can convert any of you, well, that's not what I'm here for. I'm not a proselytizer. I'm a wonk. And the thing about wonks is that they love what they love so much that it often becomes contagious. It is not my goal to change your minds or convince you that you're wrong about season seven, but just to show you what I see and hope that I can make this season you dislike that is part of a show you obviously love at least a little more palatable for you. If I can make someone who's disappointed at the ending enjoy season seven just a little bit more, then I'm going to be happy, because it sucks to love something and then kind of hate the way that it ends. Anyone who can do the same for me on the last season of Lost, I look forward to your phone call. All right, let's get into the weeds. In Lessons, Buffy trains Dawn to fight vampires. Willow is in England with Giles, learning about magic and wondering why no one's tried to kill her yet. The new state-of-the-evil art, Sunnydale High, opens on the very ground where it was once destroyed by a giant mayor snake. Manifest spirits summoned by a talisman to take revenge come after Dawn and Buffy. The new principal is young and hot, but mysterious and maybe evil. 
Spike's back in town, living in the school basement, and by all appearances, totally insane. Xander saves the day, and Buffy gets a better job than the one she had at Double Meat Palace. A low bar benefits everyone. All of this while a malevolent ancient force that can look like any dead person it wants decides it's time to rise up in the name of all evil and destroy everything good, starting with the Slayer. So the principal's evil? We're in a boatload of danger. Well, the last two principals were eaten. Who'd even apply for that job? Originally, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was a metaphor for the idea that high school is hell, taking adolescent torments and making them manifest via the hellmouth. Monsters and demons and vampires represented the trauma and loss of innocence that comes with growing up, and it was fertile ground for storytelling. Then we destroyed the high school, our beloved Scooby stepped or were thrown over the threshold into adulthood, and the show struggled a bit to find its way to become a story about something else. I'd say there was more success than failure in those years, but now we're finding our way back into the high school as we come full circle, returning to the very place where we started, the actual Hellmouth, once again sitting under the brand spanking new Sunnydale High. The first scene of the new season involves characters we don't know, which is unusual for Buffy. Typically, Buffy opens with something going on with one of our main cast. This is especially true of season premieres. So right away, season seven is setting itself apart. It's doing something different. We open with a girl being chased through the streets of Istanbul, which used to be Constantinople, by figures in dark robes. She ends up in a closed alley and has to do an Assassin's Creed shimmy up the drainpipe. The figures catch her, throw her off the roof, and jam a knife into her gut. And then we go to Buffy training Dawn to fight in our familiar Sunnydale graveyard. But even this is different. It looks different. The camera angles and the movement are more cinematic. The lighting is more dramatic. The fighting more visceral. And then when Buffy and Dawn finish their training and dust the vampire, they lament about the truly scary thing that has returned just when we thought we were safe again. And we get a classic Buffy irony cut to the brand new Sunnydale High School. Well, not everything has changed. It's not real. Lesson one, it's always real. I've talked a lot about my aversion to horror and why Buffy doesn't bother me that much on that score, because usually it's just not that scary. The monsters have traditionally been a bit overdrawn, too much latex, bad CGI, often used for comic effect, and in the end, just not that scary. That changes in season seven, and it changes now. The cold open, the horror of the girl in Istanbul being chased down and murdered by rogue figures we can't see, that's truly scary. The monster of the week, the manifest spirits drummed up by a talisman, have a scarier aspect to them than our typical demons. Dead and decaying, hiding in the shadows, taking physical form and then disappearing completely. They're unsettling in a way that Buffy monsters are not typically unsettling. And then we get the shape-shifting first at the end of the episode, the breathtaking sequence as we count backwards through the big bads for each season, except for season two, for whom the big bad was Angelus, or Spike. But I think Drusilla sits nicely in that seat, even if it isn't quite hers. All of these defeated bad guys, all of them in human or human-esque form, morphing into each other, speaking to an evil so dark, so dangerous, that it doesn't have to be scaly or drooly or made of latex. 
That's the lesson we seem to have finally learned on Buffy, that an elaborate, grotesque mask in full light is less scary than shadow and darkness over something more familiar, but still not quite right. The vampires were always scarier than the demons because they were a little bit human, a little bit familiar, but shrouded in shadow. As we moved further away from the vampires for the sake of variety, the show lost some of its scariness and would sometimes shift so far away from scary as to be almost campy. Not anymore. Season 7 is going to introduce some truly scary things, and while I'm not someone who typically enjoys that, I have to say, I respect the hell out of it. No deaths. No eviscerations. You're not goading women into anything inventive, and you're not delivering when it is. I don't even know. Yeah, waitress downtown wished her husband was a frog. You made him French. After the events of season six, we're returning to find that everyone has changed. Xander is all grown up and professional, part of the construction team working on the high school, but based on his nice suit and his not purple car, he's gone executive. I love seeing Xander in this role, grown up, capable, serious. He's still funny, but not as desperately so as he has been in the past. And it's nice to see him stretch into some new territory as a character. Anya has gone soft as a vengeance demon, which is a nice turn for her. Her recent run at being human has changed her significantly, and her scene with Halfrek, though short, is powerful. Halfrek tries to warn her that something old and dark is rising, and when Anya asks if all of her demon friends should be there for the intervention, Halfrek's gentle, they are, is a scary note to end on. Buffy has gotten over her existential angst from last season, not a moment too soon, and her confidence is back. She's running the household capably, training Dawn to fight, and getting right in the face of whatever Sunnydale High is going to serve up for her. When she sees Spike in the basement, she's surprised, but not afraid or emotional about it. Buffy is business, and when Principal Wood offers her a job at the school, giving her access to the two things that scare her most, high school and adulthood, she's up to the challenge. Dawn has also gained a confidence and maturity that's just delightful. She's growing up, standing on her own with Buffy, and leading a group of proto-Scoobies through a scary fight in a school basement filled with manifest ghosts. She's no longer the tacked-on scrappy-doo that we've had to endure through the past few seasons. She's powerful and strong. And then there's Spike, who has also changed significantly. We live in the dramatic irony of understanding why, as the rest of the characters are still in the dark, and that elevates his scenes with a poignant angst that makes even the funny parts layered, textured, and filled with, if you'll pardon my phrasing, tremendous narrative potential. This isn't a, a hobby or an addiction. It's inside you now. It's magic. You're responsible for it. Willow's story with Giles is a quiet and lovely meditation on power, and we finally get away from the magic as drugs idea and into a deeper understanding of magic and how it works. Everything is connected. Willow is connected to her power, and she cannot be disconnected from it. It both scares her and is her, and I think that's a wonderful redirection for the discussion of magic that we've been having. Giles gently puts to rest the ideas about magic that we went into with Season 6 and brings us a much more nuanced and interesting read. And there's something wonderful about the relationship between Giles and Willow here. Willow has changed. She's different. Giles is a mentor and father figure to the rest of the group, but with Willow, their relationship seems more like that of colleagues and equals here. He's guiding her through the process. He's counseling her. But her experiences, they've changed her. She has seen and done things that aren't easy to come back from. She has a dark past. And lest we forget Ripper, so does Giles. 
Willow can understand Giles and he her in ways that none of the other core characters can ever understand each other. And it creates this leveling of the field between them. I absolutely love that. And even if Willow can't see it, I'm glad we get to. Look at you, trying to do what's right. Just like her, you still don't get it. It's not about right, not about wrong. It's about power. Joss Whedon has often said that the inspiration for Buffy came from the horror trope of the pretty blonde girl who gets killed by the monster. What if she had power? What if she could fight? What if the monsters were afraid of her? It's a great idea and became fertile ground for the stories Buffy would tell. We open this episode with Buffy talking Dawn through a fight with a vampire. It's about power. Who has it? Who doesn't? I said at the end of season six that Buffy was always about power, and now as we move into our final season, that subtext is becoming text, to the point where we bookend with Buffy, or something that looks a lot like Buffy, telling us this in no uncertain terms. It's about power. I love a lot about this episode, but what I love the most is how deliberately we're moving into this season's story. Buffy is a show of breathless season finales and somewhat unstable season openings, and if I have to have my choice between the two, that is the way I would go. For every season, with the possible exception of season four, Buffy has gone into the finale with strength and certainty, paying off the buildup of the season in narratively and emotionally satisfying ways. And it's those endings that have kept us binging through to the next season, anxious to experience that roller coaster again. I haven't felt this certain and secure at the beginning of the season in the entire run of Buffy. The season premieres have tended to wobble a little bit out of the gate, and it was usually about episode three or so before things would start to feel steady again. Here, the purpose and precision with which we open the season is damned impressive, and it feels almost like a new show to me while still retaining the things that I loved about the old show. Lessons is a solid season opener, executed with purpose and vision, and it's a fantastic start to what is promising to be a fascinating season of television. That'll do it for today. I'll be back next week with Season 7, Episode 2, Beneath You. Until then, stay pretty. Still Pretty is a chipperish media production and is entirely patron-supported. To find out how you can keep us in production, visit patreon.com slash chipperish.